Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, my name is Bryce Watts, and this is the NF Ladies Podcast. This is a podcast where I talk exclusively to the women in the NFL to learn about how they navigate this life in the league. The players are always the ones in the spotlight, but I want to highlight the women who are the support systems behind the scenes. Let's do it. Welcome back to episode 19 of the NF Ladies podcast. I am here with guest Lauren Robinson. Hello, Lauren. Hi. So this is a special one. This is a first timer, an NF lady veteran. So we're going to get a lot of new information, <laughs> stuff we've never heard of, heard before, and get all the downloads on what exactly you should be doing in the NFL and tips and tricks that you should know right now. So can you start us off by telling us who your significant other is? what teams you've been on, how long you were in the league, and then what team you ended with. Yeah, so my husband is Keenan Robinson, um, inside linebacker for six years in the league. He was drafted by the Washington football team, which was the Redskins when he played for them. Um, he was there for four years, and then um, he was picked up by the New York Giants for two years and then retired with uh, the Buffalo Bills. Okay, so how, which like vibe, which team did you like the best from all those three? Because those are very different teams. Mm-hmm. I liked the New York Giants the best. Was it, was it being like next to the city or was it like the stadium, the outdoorsy stadium? They were just so family oriented and they were just so caring that I really liked that vibe. But also the city, like being able to go into the city and eat at different restaurants all the time was amazing. (laughs) Like the best food I've ever had every week. So you were able to actually utilize your time there and go into the city because my last guest was like, the second time we were here, like I wanted to do everything that I didn't Mm -hmm. do the first time. So you did all that stuff. We did, but also because everybody wants to visit you when you live like in a city like that. So anytime we had guests, we would always go into the city and find like a new restaurant. When I say we, it was mostly me and the guests. (laughs) (laughs) Keenan was, you know, handling his business. So I got to go into the city a lot with family and friends and really experience it. And it's wild, like coming to a whole different state, being able to fully immerse yourself in that culture, because it is a completely different culture. Like I would say New York is really its own place. Like I think I saw a TikTok video and they're like, the only people who are like so into New York are people who are from New York. Like they'll have to insert it into every conversation. I showed my friend from New York. She's like, oh yeah, that's kind of (laughs) accurate. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's cool. Because when I was in New York, we really like, we were outside of the city and I really wanted to do that and go into the city and do all that stuff. My boyfriend's more like a homebody and like very cool with being in a small community. So yeah, it was definitely like a day trip. So we lived in Nutley, New Jersey, and it took like 45 minutes to an hour to even get into the city. Um, And we'd have to go through like the Lincoln Tunnel and everything. And it just took so long. And then when we got there, we would park and like parking is insane. It's like, I want to say like $70 
for in a parking garage for like the time that we would spend there. And then we would take the subway. But mind you, we had um, cadence at that time. My um, She's five years old now, but at that time she was two. And so we brought a stroller, right? So he would carry this stroller, the big stroller, down all the stairs into the subway to get on the train and then back up the stairs and then walk five blocks to where we were going. Like it was literally like a huge <laughs> ordeal, but it was so worth it just because we got to experience it and we knew like we weren't going to be there forever, obviously. NFL, not for long, right? That's like the true acronym. So we just tried to like experience it as much as we could. Yeah, that's that's really, I feel like a biggest piece of advice that I would give people if you're going places, like mm-hmm. if you're there for a couple of months, like really immerse yourself because this is an opportunity that you won't generally get again. Like most people right. don't get to move to all those states and try yeah. and capitalize like on the happy moments and not all the craziness that is yeah. the NFL. Yes. For sure. And it's cool to hear like your perspective of different teams because I'm sure the culture is constantly changing, like depending on the coaching staff and the players that come into each team, you saying that the Giants was like a really family oriented Mm -hmm. organization. And that's something that I've mostly heard with like the Broncos. I haven't really heard Mm -hmm. that being something that people say about the Giants. It's being next to the city. You know, some people like to live the party lifestyle, like when there's the single guys, which I'm like, I I get like you're in New York. Why not do that? Yeah. So it's interesting. Yeah. So the team, they actually have childcare or they did when we were there during the games, which I've never heard of that before. Like you can drop your kids off at the childcare at the stadium while the game is going on. And I'm like, what is this? Like, this is crazy to me that they have this, but they just always seem to just really care and just be a great team. And I love the organization. And so did Keenan. That's awesome. I mean, that's great to hear when you always like have a positive takeaway from a team, Mm because I know that's not always the case for some people, depending on circumstance and coaching staff. So that's awesome. So can you tell us how you and Keenan met? Oh, gosh. Okay. (laughs) Long story or short story? Long story. We love a good long story. Okay. So um, we met in college, I was on my way in and he was on his way out. So we actually met at a Kappa party. Um, Keenan was a Kappa and I like going into college or whatever, like I was like a bookworm because of my um, studies. I was studying to be a speech pathologist. So a lot of my classes were like hearing science and, um, function of the brain and stuff like that. That's like insane. Right. And like, I have to work for my grades. Like I'm not one of those super smart people that just go to class and get it. No, like I have to work for my stuff. So I would spend like every evening in the library. Um, we went to university of Texas, so it was called the PCL. So I was in the PCL like every night. Right. And so um, one night, like my roommates were like, girl, like, what are you doing? This is college. Like, you got to get out. You got to (laughs) go. And I was like, no, man, I think I'm just going to stay in. Like, no, you're coming. And so they took me to the Kappa party. And when we got there, like, it was fun. We were dancing and everything. And then I got separated from them because you know how college parties are. There's a billion people in like a tiny room. And so I moved to the back of the room just so I could like, scale the room and try to see if I could find them. And then I look over and I see this huge muscular 
dark and handsome (laughs) man walking towards me. And I'm like, Oh God, please don't hit on me right now. Like that was my first thought because I was already irritated. Right. And so (laughs) he comes up to me and he gets like a sentence in. And then this girl comes right in between us and she's like, Oh my gosh, Keenan, you're here. And when she said that, I was like, yes, because this was my escape. Right. So I used the opportunity (laughs) to like sneak back into the crowd and didn't say goodbye or anything. Cause I just didn't want to deal with it. And like, I looked back and he was like looking for me and I'm like, Oh, it's whatever. (laughs) So that's where we met. Um, he actually told me that he came up to me because I looked like I was scared, (laughs) which was not true. Okay. Now I have to say this part. So I I'm biracial and black and white, but it was during the winter time. So I looked extra white during the winter. And so he's thinking, what is this white girl doing at this Kappa party? Why does she look so scared? (laughs) And so that's why apparently he said he came up to me, but I'm like, yeah, right. You knew that I was cute and you wanted to talk to me, but he still like says that was the reason why. But after that, like we didn't talk for like a year, but he found me on like every social media possible to try to like friend request me or message me. And I guess like a year in, like I finally responded and two months later we were dating. I like a guy who knows what he wants and is like going for it and not just like playing the game. Like, okay, like let's do this. Like maybe in like, yeah, get on this social media platform. And then I feel like a lot of my friends meet their significant others on Instagram. Like it's not yeah. weird anymore. Like it used to be like slide into her DMs. Now it's just right. like, Hey, this is how you start dating. Mm-hmm, exactly. And like, so at that time he was with the Redskins and I was in college and I didn't really have time to fly out to see him. And obviously mm-hmm. he couldn't really fly out to see me, but he was like, Hey, if we get, um, if we win this game, this was on Sunday. He's like, if we win this game, then I guess he got like two days off or something. Um, so he was like, can I take you on a date? And I'm like, uh, yeah, sure, but I'm not flying there. He's like, no, I'll fly there for a day and then fly back. So he flew to Texas and took me to the state fair all day. And then he flew back like early the next morning to make practice the next day. And it was like the cutest thing ever. That was our first date. (laughs) He really went out of his way. I know people who won't even drive Mm -hmm. out of their way to go and meet somebody up. He flew halfway across the country to take me on a date. That's wild. And so we heard that story. And I keep forgetting to ask people how they propose because we've gotten some really good stories before. And none of them are like the fairy tale wedding. It's like I got invited to the basement and he proposed or like, yeah, he proposed doing this and that. And so what is your proposal story? <laughs> um, so he was with um, the agency A1 athletes first. And so they had something called a one classic every year in California. And that he proposed there, um, on the beach, he had like everything set up with like, um, a blanket and then one of those like message in a bottle type thing. But the thing is, he told me that we were going to be doing a photo shoot for like 
the NFL or something. But what's funny is leading up to this, when he was telling me about it, he was like, oh, and if there's like soft romantic music playing, don't get thrown off because it's just for the vibe of the shoot. <laughs> and I knew it. I knew exactly when he said that. I was like, he's about to propose. This is not a photo shoot. So I completely figured it out. So it didn't take the romance out of it, but I knew like what was going on. So like when I saw that message in a bottle, I was like, I bet that message says, will you marry me? But I didn't tell him that I knew that he was proposing because I didn't want him to not do it. So I just went <laughs> along with the whole thing. That, I mean, he thought about everything, like the music yeah. too, like trying to explain everything. Mm -hmm. If you hear this, it's fine. Like if I walk over here, like it's all good. It's all <laughs> for the photo shoot. I know. And he's like one of those guys where he doesn't over explain anything. Like he says what needs to be said and that's mm. it. So the fact that he was out of character to say that little bit of extra information I knew it. <laughs> You're like, I know you way too well for you to try and like mm -hmm. over explain things to me. Like something's yeah. off, something's happening. Yeah. I like that when they think that they could be sneaky and you're like, you think I don't know you? Like, I've I been know. Doing you for years. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so after you guys got engaged, how was your living situation? Were you living with him before there? Were you moving to all those states and going to the different teams? Like, how did that work? Yeah. So at this point, um, I was still in college. I didn't graduate until 2015. And I actually got married in my last semester of college. So I was still going to UT. So I would just travel like on the weekends, travel yeah. and go and see him and watch mm -hmm. games and then come back for school. Yeah. So I would go to some of his games, not all of them, but some of them. And then I would always watch his games at home. Yeah, I, I, my boyfriend was in college or was in the NFL when I was still in college. And I'm like, well, I yeah. want to be a part of this crazy lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Like who, who gets to see their significant other play a professional sport? Right. So I flew out too. like, were you, how, how was that? Like, were you excited every weekend to like go and, and be a part of this? Like, oh yeah. Go on the field and take pictures and stuff. Cause I know certain teams let you go on the field. So yeah. like, were you excited to do all of that stuff? Oh yeah. That was like, so, so fun. Like even better than the college experience was getting able to do that, you know, but more so like just being able to be with him because it was hard to be long distance, you know, like I never really got to see him. So that was like our time for like a few days just to be able to see him and then on his off day, then I would come back. I mean, he flew out for your first date. So you're like, the least I can do is I go know, and right? fly and watch a game. <laughs> <laughs> the least I can do is return the favor. <laughs> So did you know that first year, like when you were flying back and forth, did you know that there were any organizations where the women could meet up, like different things that they did together? Or did you just fly out by yourself, hang out with him and then fly back? Yeah, so I would pretty much do that. But he so he was with the Redskins at this time and they had um, like a couple's Bible study mm -hmm. and he would he would go to it like they had single guys there, too. So he would go every I want to say Wednesday or something. I don't know what day it was, but a lot of the women there, like they'd be like, let's, we can't wait till Lauren comes and we can like hang out with her. So then I just got connected with some of the wives um, and girlfriends there during the Bible study. And some of them are still like my really close friends, like even now. That's really cool that he yeah. went to them and knew I about the, the programs offered. Cause I know a mm -hmm. lot of guys don't know like how to even connect their wives or girlfriends with other people on the team. Like, yeah. they, or they just like, they're so focused that right. they're like, you know, one track mind, they're looking straight ahead and not like, yeah. Oh, how, 
can I also make this like inclusive for her as well? That's really cool. I've never heard about one of the guys going to a Bible study before. Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool. The Redskins had an amazing pastor and his wife. So they were just amazing. That's cool because when I was there, we were actually with the Jets the first year at the same stadium. Um, yeah. When you guys were with the Giants, you sang it being such like an inclusive place. Yeah. I didn't know about any of that stuff available to the woman. I flew there, <laughs> flew back, and I was like, wait, you guys meet up and hang out? Yeah. Chad, why did you told me about this? Mm-hmm. So that's really cool that some teams like tend to do that. And I have noticed that Bible studies is the main way that everybody right. gets together, whether over Zoom or going in person to somebody's house. So yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, that was like really important for us because it was a way to really get to know people on more of like an intimate personal level and like not talk about football things, but talk about like real life issues. Like how is your marriage? How how is your family life? You know, how's your health? Like how was how everything going? So I really, really liked those times. Things that you don't really think about talking about yeah. in those, like the season months because it is right. so short. So right. during off season, where was your guys' home base? What did you do every time you came back from each team? So our home base was in Austin. Um, it just felt right because both of us, you know, went to the University of Texas. Austin was our home. So um, we bought a home in Austin and that's where we would go during every off season. And then we would also travel during the off season to different mm-hmm. places. But that's where we would always go back for our home. So we had a house in Austin with like all of our furniture. And then we would just move out of our rental house with whatever team he was in and put it in storage until like the next year, then start the process over again of renting for like another year or whatever. And just take all that furniture that's in storage and move it into the new spot. That's a Interesting way of doing it. I haven't heard anybody doing that more just having to fly back if they do get released or traded and then new stuff like that rather than like having everything ready for any possible situation. Mm -hmm. I like that. I mean, it sounds like it's a lot more like stress immediately at the time because you're like preparing for all this stuff and having to move like that's a lot of stuff to move and like two lives. And then when you have kids, I can only imagine like just having to move them too is like must be so difficult. Yeah, it's actually pretty funny because whenever, you know, he retired, we moved everything into like the house that we were building. Mm -hmm. Um, And we had like two of everything, which is hilarious. Like two, two crock pots, two ninjas, two of everything that you can think of because we were combining like two homes into one. It's so nice too, though, when you like, we have a storage unit. I'm like, I forgot we have this, we have that. Like we have things. It's like, I'm yeah. going to like an estate sale or something. Like mm-hmm. I'm getting all this free <laughs> stuff. I forgot we had all this stuff. Yeah. Yep. Same here. And it's like, why do we have so much crap? Like, let's, <laughs> let's get rid of it. Take it to Goodwill. Like, oh, it's just too much stuff. The clutter just like drove me insane. Like I'm one of those people where I cannot rest if there's clutter. Like I need things to be put away. Otherwise my mind is just like racing. Which is not a great, like, I feel like way, like mentality for the league because you're Mm -hmm. like, okay, well I'm staying up till 3am putting everything away when we move the third time this year. I know, right? (laughs) And then having to set up like different pediatricians or different OB-GYNs and um, different dentists. Like it was like starting everything over again when you switch teams but you know looking back like we've been out of the league for like two years now so looking back I'm like oh I loved that like that was such 
a beautiful, fun experience in our lives. It was like so, so fun. And being able to see your guys's first daughter, like be a part of that must have been so special. Like having that video, I saw your video on YouTube. So cute. Like just being on the sideline and having that forever and being able to show her. And like when it clicks for like, oh my gosh, my dad was a professional athlete. Like I was there. Yeah. Must be so special and like beautiful. Yeah. I feel like every family or every significant other should film that. That film like professionally, just one day of you going on the field or you in the stands or you praying with your significant other um, before the the game because like it's just so sweet to go back and watch those videos and just know like hey we live that life like that was such an important part time in our lives and just always have that to look back on it's such a unique home video that nobody else gets to have yeah that's what people watch on youtube it's not somebody who like lives that life yeah how was it uh having your first how far into the league were you guys by then how many years um, so Cadence was also born in 2015. So um, I'm trying to think. I think that was like his third or fourth year. So that was, um, she was born the year that we got married. We were married like February 2015 and she was born in November. So. Okay. So yeah. soon after. So how was that transition like? with a marriage and then having a child, like yeah. moving became so much different, I'm sure. And became so much more stuff. Like you said, get different pediatricians, the doctors, like mm-hmm. it's not just you anymore having to find all this stuff. It's you doing it for two people now. Yeah. So, um, that wasn't as bad just because like I was pregnant with her for the, like the transition of me moving there. So I didn't have to figure that part out, but I did have to find like who was going to deliver my baby. Um, so I just asked like the moms who they went with and who they trusted. And I just <laughs> took um, a midwife that one of the other wives used on the team. And to be honest, I didn't really like her that much, <laughs> but <laughs> the midwife, she was, and what's funny is she actually retired like the month after my birth, which looking back on it now after hearing that information, I'm like, that makes so much sense because she was just like the worst. Like she brought another doctor in the room to have like chit chat while I was like pushing. So like legs open pushing and she called a doctor, like another OB-GYN and they were just to hang out and they're like spinning around on the stools, like talking about what they're going to do that night. And I'm like, what is even going on (laughs) right now? And then she ended up retiring like the month after. So she was just completely, completely checked out. It's a like funny she had story. Her two now. weeks in. Yeah, she already That's- had put everything in. So she knew she was leaving. I didn't know she was leaving because I probably would have chose someone else. But she was just like, eh, let me just have my fun this last like month of being here. That's kind of wild. I'd be like, hey, my legs are open. Can we not spin the stools? I know. And like the thing is, that was my first baby. So. I didn't really like know what to expect or know what I even wanted. Like I didn't know if that was okay or if that was the norm, but looking back on it, like now I would be like, can you please like get up out of here to the other doctor? And then to her, I'd be like, can we just like be professional and get my baby out please? <laughs> but Keenan was just like, 
you know, he's holding my leg and he's just like, what is going on? Like, why are these women talking about what they're about to eat tonight for dinner while you're pushing? It was so <laughs> weird. It was the weirdest experience, to be honest. But I mean, Cadence is here. So that's all that matters, gonna, right? I was going to ask what Keenan was saying while he was in the room. Like, was he looking like, because he seems yeah, more reserved from the videos that I much. see. So he's probably like, okay, they're a little bit too out there and like crazy in this room yeah and like I said he he doesn't really like say things so I think he was internalizing a lot of it but at that moment I didn't really think anything weird was going on I was pushing so yeah <laughs> I was trying to get my baby out but later he was like yeah that was really weird that was a very strange experience <laughs> Okay, the fact that you can like reevaluate and like you said, it was your first. So you're I like, know. How do these things usually go? Because this I doesn't know. feel normal. <laughs> yeah, it was it was so so weird. Well, you had Cadence. She's healthy yeah. and like it all worked out, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Funny story now, but during the time, yeah, a bit weird. Yes, for sure. So, getting the recommendation for um the midwife, you said mm-hmm. right? That's what they're called. Okay, yeah. for the midwife, you got that from the ladies. Was there any specific piece of information or like? Thing you found in the NFL that you thought was super valuable piece of information, like being able to go to certain places, getting connections from certain people for doctors, like what's something that you really think about now? And you're like, wow, that was really helpful. I'm glad mm-hmm. that I like this helped us. Um, I would say the name dropping and I didn't do it often, but when I needed to, I would do it. So for example, after I had, um, I actually had a a miscarriage when we were with the Giants and I was having like a lot of pain in my calf muscle um, after my miscarriage. And so like I was looking it up and everything I read online said it was a blood clot. And so I was like, oh gosh, like I need to go to the emergency room. And so I went there and they're like, oh, it's going to be like a five hour wait. And at this point, like it was like midnight and I'm like, Mm. I don't want to wait five hours. And so I was like, Keenan, what do I do? And he's like, well, this hospital like does stuff with our organization. So just tell them like you're with the NFL. And so I went to the calendar and I I told them that. And they're like, why didn't you tell us that? Come right on back. (laughs) Got me in and out, like did the the thing they had to do to check my leg in and out in like 20 minutes. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, That's all I had to say. I didn't even think about that lately, but like name dropping your own husband's name. Yeah. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be somebody else famous. Just be like, oh, my husband, like he has to be at work really exactly. early tomorrow when he goes to the stadium. So not like outwardly saying, but be like, oh, he plays football. Right. He'll be so stressed if I'm not there. Like, yep. Oh, okay. I know. I know. <laughs> and I didn't even have to say who he was. I just, all I said was I'm with the NFL and related and in, in to a a player or I'm the significant other of a player. And they're like, why didn't you say so? Come right in. We do business with the, the giants. Like we're there, whatever they are, medical team, we take care of everybody who's in the family. So that was really helpful. Um, but that's pretty much like the only time I've really done the name dropping thing was like that in that moment, but I was not about to wait five hours to be seen. <laughs> So yeah, at midnight too. When you thought it was oh something gosh. so serious, you thought it was a blood clot. I really like, thought it was a blood clot. Yeah. I still don't know what it was. I, and it was like a bruise and everything. And it was like so painful. So I don't, I have no idea what that was, but that was like something that the doctors told me to look out for was literally having pain in my calf muscle, an isolated leg with, with pain in it, that it could be a blood clot. So I was like freaking out. 
yeah, I mean, good thing you went in. Good thing you called your husband and like asked mm-hmm. him what you should do. And he's like, of course, like name drop the football thing. Duh. Yeah, yeah. He's like, hurry up and get home. <laughs> it's midnight. <laughs> See, and that's what you could have even said. Like he's waiting for me at home. He'll be stressed out for practice exactly. tomorrow. We won't do well. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> So the Giants was the team that really mm-hmm. like helped you with the resources like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Cause I know that when I got like, what's it called? Increased women, I think is the, uh, like yeah. the Bible pre-made pamphlet. So you guys got those as uh-huh. well? Yeah. Okay. I didn't yep. know that that, if that was like a thing because I got that last year with the Texans, but before that I hadn't been anywhere long enough to really like get a part of that. But that was really nice to be able to like have that hard copy and then going into Bible study. So I didn't know it was something that's been there for years. Yeah. So we went to a few of their conferences every year, which was awesome. The increase conference for, um, couples, uh, husbands and wives go to it, but it's like a faith-based conference. Is it specifically for professional athletes, Mm -hmm. significant others? Yes. Um, it's, so we call it PAL professional athletes league I think I don't know the acronym but they also do like baseball and stuff like that but it's for professional athletes and they have conferences set up but it's all biblical based okay because I know that I I feel like I see like a lot of connection between things that baseball players do Mm -hmm. and NFL players I don't know if I'm just seeing that because I know like friends from college or if there's like some connection but that's like baseball families is that's wild you're gone for most of the year like I can't even Mm, imagine like this is enough with this condensed season, like how yeah. they manage it. Yeah. I felt the same thing. You're like, how do you do it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. With all the moving that you know that you do. And it's not just the moving, right? Like I think the don't the guys, aren't they completely separated from their family for the most part? Because you can't move as many times as they do. Yeah. I just know that their schedule is insane. <laughs> and I don't know how I could keep up with it. God bless the significant others who are, are dealing with that and able to make it work. Right. Yeah. Is there any one thing that you wish that you had taken advantage of in the league or something that you realized even after the fact, like, hey, that was available to us? Because going on the NFLPA website, there's so many things like programs, organizations um, helping fund the guys to go back to school so they can get their degree, like, but things that I think that you don't really take advantage of because you're not at that point. Again, one track mind, you're looking straight ahead at football. Mm -hmm. So is there something that you guys realized? that you wish you would have taken advantage of? Um, I would say it took us like a little bit to find ourselves after the league and like what we wanted to do as a family. So I kind of wish that there were more resources of like, you know, stating, okay, like football is great and everything. Like, I know you want to focus on that big contract and stuff, but like, what are you going to do after? Because your life after is way longer than your life in the league. So it took us like a few years to figure out like, okay, what do we want to do? Um, and all that stuff. And so that's what we're like doing now, which, um, some of you may have like heard my story, but like, we are trying to homestead and grow our own food and be self-sufficient and live like a slower minimalist life. But it took us a while to like figure all that out and get to a point where we were like, okay, this is what we really want. We want a slower paced life, just living this fast paced life for so long, you know, go, go, go and have like all these goals that like he had to make in the NFL and everything. Like we were just like, okay, we want to do this. So I think if the league, you know, had more, which they could have, they very well could have offered this stuff and he just didn't go to any of, (laughs) 
any of the classes or whatever that like prepare you for life after the league, then we probably would have gotten here faster than if, you know, what happened, you know, and him Mm -hmm. not trying to see like what he's going to do after, after the league. Okay. So more you wish like you had learned like a lifestyle shift more than like a financial shift or like an educational shift, like figuring your guys' self out in your own path. Yeah. And I think it's all kind of like the same thing, you know, it's all together, but I would say that he was just so focused on football that he's not thinking about anything else. Yeah. And that's really hard because they have the resources. Like sometimes, you know, it's not always communicated to the significant others because they don't know or they're too focused. So it's like you can't really take the reins at that point because you don't know. And if he's not telling me, then obviously I'm not doing it. (laughs) We would sit around with the other wives and women were like, wait, what information did he tell you? Oh, my boyfriend told me this. My husband told me this. Mm -hmm. So we would like make a little handbook where we like got all of the information in one place. Yes, because yeah. individually we had a little bit of the puzzle, but yes. I don't blame them to an extent. But like, you can give my email to the team. Like, that's that's the least you could do. Yeah, yeah, agreed, yeah. <laughs> agreed. Okay, so you mentioned homesteading. Yeah, can you let us know what that is? Because I had to look it up, <laughs> and then I I was like, wow, this is a whole nother world that I know. Oh my nothing gosh! About. Yeah, so it's basically living like a simpler lifestyle and growing your own food, um, animal husbandry, which is like taking care of animals, growing your own meat. Um, we pride ourselves on eating like organic and healthy. And we just want to know like where our food source is coming from and just experience growing our own food and teaching our kids like a slower paced life. So we um, actually brought, bought some land, and right now we're in the process of building a home on it, but we plan to have like an acre garden and a greenhouse and try to like grow as much as our own food as we can. Um, we want to homeschool our kids and just really enjoy like a slower, minimalistic life. Yeah, because like you said, like you're used to go, go, going. Mm-hmm. So this way you can actually like just savor every small moment moment yeah. that like adds up to a you know, bigger moment, like as you're growing your family yeah. and you guys grow up together. Yeah. And I have always just like been a nature lover. Like I love being outside. I love like feeling the wind in my hair and like being under trees and just like getting my hands like in soil and like working the soil and like gardening. Like to me, that is just so peaceful being with like mother nature and I don't know there's just something about the sunshine hitting your face that just provides so much endorphins and and life you know it's so life-giving so I'm just like I want more of that in my life and so that's kind of like where we started the idea of doing this and and at first Keenan was like um I'm not sure like <laughs> that's what I want to do. But, you know, the more like we spent time like with our little garden that we started and then seeing like, oh, my gosh, we can like grow zucchini from a seed. Like it's just it's so cool to be able to like see those those little moments, you know, and like seeing Cadence help out in the garden and stuff like that. Um He like loves it now. Like he he loves working with our animals and all of that stuff. And he has like a huge tractor. So like, it's like his thing, like riding around this <laughs> tractor, like building fences. Like it's literally like he's living his best life right now. 
So a zucchini is not just a zucchini when you grow it in your garden, right? Like you walk out and like that's and you're picking it. And like you said, growing it from seed and like Mm -hmm. feeding your family with that. Like it's very like in the family in network where I would imagine it just like feels so much more special. Like, yeah, that that you did this. Yeah. It's like we did this. Like we grew this from a seed. Um, It's so rewarding, honestly. And then just knowing, like, you know exactly where that food source came from. Like, there's no pesticides on it. It's completely organic. It was made from love. Like, I sound like a a total hippie. (laughs) But, like, I also can't wait to, like, start growing our own herbs and, like, making our own medicines and stuff like that. Because right now, you know, we buy from herbalists. But, like, I want to do that stuff and, like, take care of my family that way. It's just, I don't know, this may sound boring for some people, but to me, I'm like, man, I could do this all day. I could watch YouTube videos all day of people homesteading or making herbs or living like a slow, intentional life. Like, that's like my thing. (laughs) Well, and I know people love making their own house because they tailor to just themselves, but Mm -hmm. you're not just making your own home. You're making this land like you're totally you're tilling everything like I watched your video where Keenan's like on the bobcat I don't even know what the track yeah, you said. yeah, yeah. Like, the bobcat. he's doing the whole thing I know yeah clearing land and everything it's it's definitely a journey and it's like a process but once you see like the result of all your hard work it's like oh man this is so worth it I'm the person who, when I wash, hand wash my car, I'll just like walk up to the window and just stare at it. <laughs> so I can only imagine like what it's like with your lip. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's hilarious. It's like, yep, I did that. It's so yeah. rewarding. It really is so rewarding. I can only imagine if like literally seed up, ground up, land up. Yeah. And was the motivation for this somewhat like, were you motivated by like your children, since you love it so much and the wind in your hair and the sun on your face, like you wanted your children to also value those things as well. Yeah. So, um, we, after my miscarriage, um, we got pregnant again with my daughter Haven and I actually experienced a full term stillbirth at 40 weeks in two days. And that literally like took me out completely, completely just changed my life. I don't care about surface level things. Like I want to experience life. And when you go through like that type of trauma, it's just, it makes you rethink everything in life. And I really think that is where our motivation came from because I, I didn't care about drama. I just wanted to bring some peace to our lives and have a place for us to just relax and heal. And for me, like I said, nature has always done that for me. It's always been a place of peace and just, oh, I'm free kind of, kind of thing. Um, growing up, my favorite movie was Pocahontas. And like, I would love when she would sing colors of the wind and see like the wind blowing in her hair. (laughs) And so like, I've always just related so much to Pocahontas. And so, (laughs) so funny when I was a kid, I would swing on the swing set and pretend I was her, but I just always loved like (laughs) pretending and just like seeing Pocahontas. And I'm like, you know what? Like I want to live a Pocahontas lifestyle. Like this is what I want. I don't want to waste any more time. Like this is what brings us the most joy. And it really has been so so healing for our family, just being able to let go of worldly things, essentially, and really just grow together as a family and heal together as a family and work on this project and something that um, is really meaningful to us. And we named our ranch, Our Haven Acres, which means like 
a lot that we named it after her. And so we're just trying to build like our own little haven for us, if that makes sense. (laughs) And you saying that, like just appreciating every little bit, like the problems now, I feel like, let's say in like, when you're in a city are so contrived, like things that you have that seemed to be important at the time. Like, oh, what does this person think of me on here? Like, what am I going to do for a job? How much money am I going to make? But you just like reframing that to what are we putting in our bodies? Is there love in this land? Is there Mm -hmm. love in this home? And take like just stripping it down to the bare essentials like of being human. Actually, like I just got chilled. It's so weird. (laughs) It's like like, such a beautiful and simple. Yes. And just being one with like just realizing every little thing around you and having your own land to do that. Like this is ours and we can fully appreciate it with no interruptions. Yeah. Yeah. It's so spiritual. Like I, I feel so close to the Lord when I'm outside and like in nature and you know, barefoot in the ground and doing grounding and like all this stuff. Like this is how like we were intended to live. You know, this is how our ancestors lived. This is how we're supposed to be living just one with nature. So when you really go back to your roots, like it's just, I don't know, it's just so healing. And it's really, for me, like I'm realizing it's really cool to see different people's lifestyles, like Mm -hmm. depending on who you are, there's so many things you can do. There's so many different things that people are good at. Like we were watching a documentary on chess, me and my boyfriend, like, it's so cool. Some people are made to play chess and some Mm -hmm. people are made to play football. Like, yeah, it's really cool to find the passion come out of people. Yeah. Um, but you, you mentioned about losing your, your, um, daughter to a miscarriage and then, uh, wait, was it a daughter to a miscarriage and a daughter to Um, a full term? My miscarriage was so early. Um, so I'm okay. Yeah. But my stillbirth baby, her name was Haven. So she, she was my daughter. Yeah. So you mentioned that. And then you also, out of that, you wanted to be able to help other women who had mm-hmm. experienced that loss. And you yeah. called it the lost mama. Yeah. So I don't know how much, how in depth you want to go to like your own personal experience yeah. talking about that. But could you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah. So what happened was after I lost Haven, I found a lot of healing through social media and ter- telling my story on Instagram. So I would just share how I was feeling at the time with things I was going through, things that I was learning, you know, refinding myself again. And I got, you know, a significant following from other moms who've experienced loss too. And I would just be mentoring all day, like in my DMs, they would, you know, message me and be like, I just had a stillbirth. What do I do? I would spend all day messaging them. This was like all day, every day messaging moms. And so, um, I was like, I want to create a community, um, that helps moms better where, um, I can mentor and other moms can like be a part of it too. And just like really help each other in this community. So I started the lost mama and it's an Instagram account where other mamas share their lost story. And then I do some mentoring on there, but then we have a community, um, with other lost mamas and mentors where we just come together and we share like anything that's going on in the moment and we mentor each other and we're there for each other. And it's really a beautiful healing private space for mamas to be able to find their healing after loss. And there was a section I was looking through, you write letters to mamas and help them articulate the way that they feel. Cause I know not a lot of people can can even do that like let's say in the stages of their grieving or they can't articulate onto paper so that other people can you know understand what they're going through through these letters that you write yeah yeah so a lot of 
mamas, I feel like we don't know how to like express how we're feeling because we don't even know how we're feeling. And so being two years removed from my stillbirth, like I've experienced a lot of healing. And so the letters that I write is me just like going back and thinking about how I felt with different scenarios. So like one of the letters would be like to the people who weren't there for me in my grief, which is actually a really big issue. You would think that it, it wouldn't be, but a lot of people don't know what to say after you've had a loss. And so they don't want to say the wrong thing. So what they do most of the time is they just isolate and they don't say anything at all, which makes us mamas feel really vulnerable and really alone when we already feel like we've already experienced so much loss. So like for an example of that letter, I would just be writing to the person who wasn't there for me. And a lot of the times the mamas will just repost in their stories and probably hope that whoever needs to see it will see it. Yeah. And after seeing that, and you made it specific, but general enough to where women who are going through that same loss are able, like you said, to repost it and just say, here, like, this is what I'm feeling. I can't say it. I don't have the strength to say it, or I'm not even there yet. Like, this is where I want to be. And that's, I mean, reading it, I'm just looking, I was like, these, it's so beautiful that because like, I mean, I'm not in that stage of my life and that's yeah. something that I would like the emotions and feelings that I don't even know about because mm-hmm. I know like once you do have a child, like everything is for them, like everything changes, your life changes because there's another person in your life. Yeah. And like, I can't even ima- imagine like reading that stuff is just yeah. heartbreaking. It's definitely heavy, but that's why it's so important to have different voices sharing like what we've gone through so that we can help other people going through the same thing. And so we can also help their support system know how to support them better. So that's really what I try to focus on is like how to teach other people how to support the mom who's experienced a loss because they don't, you know, they don't know what to say. They don't know what to do. So if I can use my experience to teach them, then, you know, I'm not going to say it made it all worth it because that will never be the case, but it does help my daughter's legacy. And I watched an interview, I think you were at a a convention, I don't remember what it was for, but you said, it's really easy to talk about the hard parts when you're now in the good part and you're past Mm -hmm. it. It's really hard to address it while you're in it because not, you don't want to pioneer that. You don't want to pioneer like the grief, but there are so many other people who don't want to do that either and who are just going to sit and wait until hopefully or eventually it gets better and they don't want to say that to other people. Yeah, that was um, the set an example conference, the woman of the NFL conference. Um, Yeah, I also think a lot of my healing is being able to share like what I'm going through and not suppress it because the way I deal with trauma and stuff that bothers me is I don't speak on it and I just suppress it and I pretend it didn't happen. That's just the way that I have found to cope, but it doesn't work, obviously. (laughs) And so I push myself to share my story because whenever I share my story, I'm releasing the grief. And then when I see other mamas be like, oh my gosh, me too, that not only helps my healing, but like I said, it's my daughter's legacy and she's helping other mamas who've lost their babies too. And I'm sure there's many, many more mamas who aren't commenting, who aren't Mm -hmm. DMing you that are just looking silently consuming and you know appreciating all of that too and like hearing it and I like I said I don't even have a child yet but like Mm. reading it it's just it is very moving and seeing somebody actually 
talk about it during the time and during the struggle and saying like in real time that this is still a struggle. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And that's what's so cool about our community is like a lot of people don't want to put their business on Instagram because Mm -hmm. everyone can see it. But our community is a private space where mamas can go on there and just share their stories. So a lot of them, I've never even seen their profiles on Instagram, but they're so active, like on our community account, just because they say, you know, this is like a safe space. Like, I feel like I can finally share what I'm going through and get instant support which is really, really cool. And that was honestly like my dream from the very beginning is for a mama to have 24 seven support to a mentor, to another lost mama, to myself, whenever she needs it. Mm -hmm. And just really taking charge of that and saying, okay, I haven't seen this. This is what I wish I would have had Mm -hmm. and being that lifeline for other women and giving the resources all in one place. Cause you know, you can share it on Instagram, but Instagram is for a lot of other things too. It's for influencers. It's for professional athletes. Like but this is just meant for people, women to talk through the experiences and what they've gone through. And, um, a really close friend of mine, Morgan Goodwin, her husband, Marquise, he's still in the NFL. They experienced a few losses. And so as soon as I found out that I lost Haven, um, you know, I was in the triage room at the hospital and they did the ultrasound and confirmed there was no heartbeat. I was like, you need to call Marquise because I need to talk to Morgan right now. Because <laughs> she was the only person that I had known that had gone through something like this. And so the fact that like she got on the phone with me and I don't even know how long she talked to me for. I don't know what she said, but it was the fact that she was there and she was there for me. And I didn't feel alone that that was literally the key to the start of my healing. And so that's why like the community is so important to have someone who knows exactly what you've been through and be there for you is honestly, it's completely priceless to have that support. And you saying, I wanted to touch on this too, that people are afraid to reach out because they don't know what to say. They don't want to say the wrong thing. I feel like I have definitely been on on that side with not this specific instance, but with other things, I'm like, I don't want to bring it up. Like, I don't want them to think about it. But then I think like, of course they're thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Of course. How could they not just being able to be there and say, Hey, like, hope everything's okay. Like just send out like a little message without probing Yeah, is something that I think I'm, I'm trying to be more mindful and do now because, you know, just somebody knowing, Oh, I can reach out to them if I want. Yeah. That's so important. Even a simple message, just saying, I'm here for you is so powerful. And it really is so meaningful to us just to know, like, we're not alone. And just, that's just for anybody struggling. Like what you said with anything, just to know someone's there for us is so important. Caden's just, what baby? Okay, I'm back. (laughs) Actually, that was one point I wanted to bring up because I read a post and you said that you don't let Cadence watch TV and the motivation behind that. And I thought that was really interesting. So can Mm -hmm. you tell your listeners what you said in that post? Yeah. So again, we try to go against the grain, right? Obviously we're growing, trying to grow our own food. So (laughs) we try to be free thinkers, um, in our marriage and try to solve problems when they arise, which a lot of that is like the NFL and athletes are always trying to like, mm. you know, solve a problem. What What's the problem? And then what's creating that problem? What's the solution? So Cadence developed like this fear of something bad happening to me and being afraid of the dark. 
And so I'm like, okay, where is this coming from? Because obviously like nothing bad has happened to me yet. You know, like I haven't been in any accidents. I haven't never come home when I said I was going to like, where is this coming from? And I'm watching a show with her. I'm trying to remember which one it was that I was watching. It was some Disney movie. Maybe it was a Lion King and you know, Mufasa dies. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. And then Simba's left to like figure it out on his own. Right. And then Mm -hmm. we're watching fighting Nemo and Nemo's mom is is gone and then he gets separated from his dad and then he's tried he's left to try to figure things out on his own and so i'm just trying to see a pattern here of like disney and like another a lot of other kid shows where something bad just happens and so i'm like okay to a five-year-old like they're very literal and so she's probably thinking like something like this could happen and so that fear was getting into into her and I was like, all right, we're done with TV. I'm, I'm done with the propaganda. I don't know what's up with Disney, why they want to keep having <laughs> these, these stories, but we're done. Like, I'm so over it. And so we stopped letting her watch TV unless we watched it with her. And like, we were just very, very cautious of what the storyline was and what it was um, looking like to her for, for, for a five-year-old. So most of the time we just, we just cut it out. And then the thing about the fear of the dark, like we started um, telling her to use her powers. And so the power was using the name of Jesus um, to bring um, peace and like a sense of strength to her. And so like when she'd be afraid of the dark, we would say, use your powers. Cause she was like so big on like superheroes and like frozen and having powers and stuff. So she would say Jesus. And then like, we would just work with her on like, strengthening her and building her up, encouraging her and all that stuff. So it took a long time. And during that process, like she slept in our bed like every night for like six months because she was just scared. She was so scared of the dark. And I'm like, you know what? Like it's my job as a parent not to be comfortable, but to make sure that my child is safe because that that is what kids need the most. They need to feel like they're safe. And so, yeah, it was a little uncomfortable with her being in the bed with us, but knowing like this is just temporary you know, until she starts to heal and then we can start to move her out of, out of our bed. So then we brought her bed on the floor in the room with us. And then she slept in there for a few months. And then finally, you know, I was like, Hey, you know what, how are you feeling about sleeping in you and Luna's room? And uh, Luna's my one-year-old. And she was like, um, I think I'm ready. And I'm like, are you sure you're ready? Because, you know, I don't ever push anything on her. I want it to be her idea. And she was like, yes, I'm ready. And so she started sleeping in her room and like, she's not scared anymore. And it just shows like, it took a long time to reprogram and to speak life into her and truth into her. But it's so worth it because she's such a confident child now. She really is. And I saw a post too. I was reading, you're, you have an adorable family. Aww, and I was just looking you. through your captions and like you said, you heard her roar at the ceiling. Oh my gosh, yes. And you came in. <laughs> that was adorable. Oh my gosh, yeah. So that was like when she was going through the fear stage of stuff and I wasn't like figuring out what was going going on yet. But I put her to bed and this is when she was sleeping in her own room. And she's, I hear like roars, like roar. I'm like, what is this little girl doing? You're supposed to be asleep. And so I go in her room and I'm like, what are you doing? And she's like hiding under the blanket, but she's looking at the ceiling and she's like, something's up there. And I'm like, oh Lord, have mercy. I'm not about to look. I don't want to see it. I don't know what's up there. And I'm like, what is up there? 
And she's like, it's a monster. And I was like, what? And so I, I like looked up hesitantly because I'm like, oh God, what am I about to see? And it was just like, it was a shadow from the ceiling fans. And it was coming from like the light in the hallway. And it was casting a shadow on the ceiling fan. So it was like these big, you know, the propellers or whatever you call yeah. it. And it was just casting that onto the ceiling. So it looked like, I guess there was a shadow monster or something. And I, I explained to her, I turned the light on, I showed her it was the fan. But I was like, but baby, why did you roar? And she was like, because I had to scare it away. And I was like, I'm so proud of you. You're so <laughs> strong. Because I would have been out of there. <laughs> I was, <laughs> me and myself, I was scared to look at the ceiling. <laughs> She's sitting there like still scared, covers up to her eyes, but still roaring. I know my baby. That was so precious. That was very cute. And, and even the, uh, what you mentioned before about the movies, like I didn't even think about it. Like their immediate world is their friends at school and mm -hmm. you, but yeah. then they're getting like a huge worldview from whatever movie, whatever show they're watching. Right. Those shows are showing that kids are all afraid of the dark. Like yeah. yeah, maybe I should be afraid of the dark. Maybe it is scary. They yeah. Know more than me. Yes. And like, so for example, Luna, she's one, right? I was vacuuming the other day and she's fine. It's just a vacuum cleaner, right? But then Cadence decides to scream and jumps on the couch. Now Luna is deathly afraid of the vacuum cleaner and cries whenever she sees it. And I'm like, that just goes to show you like, they're not born scared. Like fear is taught to them. If they see someone be fearful of something, then they're going to be fearful of it. So what are we doing? We're removing the things that are fearful to them. And until they're old enough to realize, okay, it's just a vacuum cleaner or, okay, it's just a movie. It's not real. But at this age, like they can't really discern that for themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, they think that's their world. Cause that's what's, you know, that's what the world is on TV. Yeah. And we, I want to circle back to before Cadence walked in the room. That's why we were talking about that. Yeah. Um, circle back to Luna and your mm -hmm. rainbow baby, which yeah. is Luna. So can you talk about that? Like how I'm sure it was just like, it must have been a healing, is a healing moment for you to have her in your life. Yeah. So um, we conceived with Luna six months after delivering Haven. And that was like one of the toughest moments of my life, like second to giving birth to Haven and dealing with, with all that trauma, because I was so scared at any moment that Luna would die in my stomach because of the PTSD and all the trauma I've been through. Like if she went to sleep, I would just freak out. I'd be like, Oh my gosh, she's, she's gone. And so it was literally nine months of just fear. And I, I had some peaceful moments in there as well, but your body just carries so much memory. And when you can't escape from, you know, a pregnancy, um, you're, it's just, you're there. Like that's your baby for nine whole months. Like it's really, really a heavy burden. And I held my breath for the entire nine months. And then when she was born, I finally exhaled because she was finally here. And it was just the most sweetest, most beautiful, redemptive moment. And I also cried because I, I wish so badly that I could have experienced that with Haven. So I was so happy yet mourning at the same time in the hospital. It was such like a weird dynamic. And then bringing her home, getting to change her diapers and breastfeed her. Like it was all, it was all so like bittersweet, but obviously the sweetness just completely outweighed it because, you know, I, I had a sweet baby and 
she it's just been so redemptive for our family like Cadence finally got a sibling and we had a sweet baby to love on and it was just really healing for my soul and even the words that you're using just shows obviously the appreciation getting to change the diapers not mm-hmm. having to change the diapers like the way that you talk about it even now like is very apparent how much that was impactful like you said going through yeah. all of that and this is the reward for the nine months of you holding your breath is you getting this gift mm-hmm. of Luna yeah and I looking through all of this stuff about lost mama I'm realizing myself like how in every part of someone's life or just if they're in a situation how important and powerful a community can be mm-hmm. Even if someone's not participating fully, maybe they come across it and see it for 15 minutes. You still, you have some connection and you're like, okay, you have some type of connection with maybe people you've never even met, but how important just a community is in general for us as human beings and to feel included and to feel that you're being represented somewhere. Right. And you having created that community with Lost Mama is something I know that people just cannot like thank you enough for and just they appreciate it even if they don't say it yeah yeah like one of the things like I love to say is like nobody gets us like us and that's with anything in life you you connect with the people who you relate to the most because they get you and you get them and that's just community in itself yeah community of any of any type like as I when I say I get older obviously I know I'm young but as I get older just (laughs) yeah knowing that and finding that outside because I played sports my whole life so there was community but like how do people in their everyday lives when they're adults find community when you all come from such different backgrounds and different places and like different cultures, even, you know, like it's, it can be hard. Mm -hmm. It could be hard to know where to look. Yeah. And I did want to bring up too talking about like community and stuff like that and culture, looking that stuff up, you are a singer. Yes. Can you tell me about that? That like after getting the the lost mama on the Instagram and I was like, oh, wow. Like, and I was listening to your stuff mm. and it's so beautiful. Like, can you tell me about what it was like making your album? Yeah. So um, I am a singer, but I have decided to like use my voice in a different way now. So now I just spend my time mentoring and do speaking engagements. Um, I want to say like a part of my old self was lost with Haven and I just don't have a desire to sing anymore. Like it's, it's the craziest thing when you go through things in life and it just changes you and you grow. So it was like such a fun season of my life. Like my whole life, I was a singer. I would sing in church. I would um, do conferences and stuff, but um, that was a really, really fun time that I'm so glad I got to experience, even though I don't do it anymore, but that was really fun. That was, um, when Keenan was playing for the Giants and I was working on my singles and then working on an album. So you've lived like three different lives. I know. At this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. I've done a lot of things, but you know what? That's probably why I'm like, I want to rest now. <laughs> yeah. I want peace <laughs> in my life now. Cause it's just been go, 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 you know? And then it took something really, really traumatic in my life happening to, to aid and, help me figure out who I was and what I really wanted to do. And that's when I just let go of stuff that I just didn't want to do anymore. If I didn't love it, if it wasn't genuine and didn't mean like the highest level of meaning to me, then I just, I let it go. And I didn't think twice. Cause now like, I just want to fill my life with peace and 
meaning and beauty and things that I want to do, actually want to do and love doing. Yeah. And we'll push yourself to do. Yeah. And you saying not going, being go, 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 but you're doing homesteading where you're mm-hmm. going to be making all this stuff. So it's a different go, go, go. It is because like- <laughs> it's it's so rewarding and it is go, 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 but it's also so peaceful. So like, imagine like you're in a garden and the sun is shining on you and the birds are chirping all around you and you're working the soil and you're pulling out carrots that you grew from that you planted months ago or tomatoes, or you're like, Hey kids, go pick out your lunch. Like, yeah, that's work. But you're also like seeing the benefits of your hard work. And it's just so satisfying to be able to, like I said, um, go back to your roots of how like we were all living before like, I don't know, 200 years ago, 300 years ago, like every, most people had um, gardens and they were self-sufficient. This is like a new age thing, even though it's like a few hundred years into it, like most people grew their own food and took care of themselves for the most part. So, yeah. And you mentioned a lot when you were talking, when I was reading different articles about like the motivation for your music, um, that it was being you wanted to come from a place where you didn't feel accepted and you want people to know that there are other people out there and represent other women and women of mixed race because, and I felt this way too, where you're not black enough to be black, but you're not white enough to be white. And like trying to explain that to somebody who isn't mixed race is weird because that like, they'll either deny one or the other part of you. It seems like just because like, like even if it's a joke, and, and it's not yeah. really a joke to us because it's something that people have been serious about for our whole lives. Yeah. It's, it's like, I'm maybe not so much now, but like growing up and like being in high school and college, it's like, I always had to work on like getting my black card, <laughs> you know, like they would play a, a song and they're like, Oh, do you know who this artist is? You probably don't, you know? And I'm just like, why do I always feel like I have to like prove my blackness or even just being, you know, with, I guess my white side of the family. Like I always felt like I just wasn't like white enough for them either, you know? So I'm kind of just in my own little world, just coexisting with both races. I think that with the black lives matter really blowing up again, like is where people have like realized like, Oh, okay. Like I'm not going to deny somebody's blackness or somebody's if they're mixed or like any other race too, is like kind of the realization and stop for like both sides. Like, Oh, like I should not deny somebody's identity. Yeah. Like, who are you to say what I am? Like my DNA is my DNA, regardless how you feel about it. Like this is who I am. So yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It was always just so weird or to asking me. a percentage or like, you're not even that black, like asking me the percentage of what ethnicity yeah. I am. I'm like, I don't know, but why do you need an answer to that question? I know. Or why is it your business? Yeah. Why is it your business to ask this stuff? Yeah. I was thinking about this too. Like when people, cause I have a lot of hair, but it's very thin. And so people would be like, oh, you have thick hair. I'm like, no, I don't. I'm like, yeah. yeah, you do. Why are you going to tell me what I have? What does that mean? My hair? Like I never understood that. I know people just the audacity sometimes. I love using that word on here because I feel like a lot of people have nerve. <laughs> so I'm like the audacity of you to say something. Like yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. They think they have like so much. I don't know what it is about people and like black people's hair, but I've noticed like people love to touch even Cadence's hair and she 
cannot stand it. She, you know, she's five, so she doesn't really vocalize it. But like this woman the other day was like, oh, your hair's so pretty and started like touching her, her little puff balls. And I'm like, oh, she doesn't like when people touch her hair. But I'm like, why do I even have to say that? Like, what is it with like the fetish and black woman's hair that you just want to touch it? Like, stop doing that. If you're listening to this and you do that, stop. <laughs> That's not okay. Also just someone else's child. Child. I know. It's so weird. Like, would you walk up to some, like an adult person and start playing with their hair? I mean, some people might, you're making yeah. a face. I know some people might actually... <laughs> I've seen it a few times. I've I've definitely seen it, but not as yeah, doing it to a child. Like it's just so weird. And she was uncomfortable. Like she started to like back up. Yeah. And I talked to her about it later. I was like, how did that make you feel? And she was like, it was weird. Yeah, that a stranger was touching me. That is weird. How has it been for you both, you and Keenan, seeing them grow and just like have a personality because when they're young, you know, they, they can't really talk. They can't articulate their feelings. It's like crying and crawling, but how has it mm-hmm. been just watching her grow into herself and like being able to say stuff like that and roaring at the ceiling and just like really seeing that grow. It's so cool. We were actually talking about this literally last night because like she was with us from the very beginning. This is like such a funny story, but I was um, a virgin until we got married. And so our our wedding night is literally when we conceived with Cadence. Like the very first time I had sex, I conceived. And it's just so funny because like she literally was there from the very beginning. And like we all like grew up together. Like we, I was 24, he was 20. But I mean, that's young. Like we are still figuring things out. Even now, I feel like, I mean, I'm, I just turned 30. I feel like I'm so young still. Like there's so much life I have to live, but she literally has grown up with us. And I'm like, you know, that TikTok where it's like, are you all right? And they're like, I'm all right. (laughs) I feel like I'm like, are you all right? Cause you, you were with her from the beginning with the struggle bus. And that does seem young now. Like, I mean, in the league, Mm -hmm. I feel like you never know because you meet people from so many different parts of the country. Like if you're from the Midwest, it's very normal. I had my first guest, she got married at 23 and she looks back now, she's 30. Mm -hmm. She's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe anybody let us get married at 23 years old. But just that it's, it's normal. It's normal to get married older now because it's okay to focus on your career and it's still okay to get married young. You know, everybody is different, but just like, I feel like when people do look back, like you just said, wow, like mm-hmm. we were young. We were young then. She was there from the beginning. I know. And you get to grow together, which is so cool. Cause you look back and you're like, wow, like we, we've been doing this life together. It's so funny. We literally had this conversation last night. Like Keenan was, you know, helping with the dishes and Luna was eating um, dinner and Cadence was eating. And he was like, finish your food, Luna. And I walked into the kitchen cause I was like getting their rooms ready for bed. And I was like, isn't this so cool? Like, how we've done life together and we're here like we're here at this moment where we've been married for almost seven years we have kids together you're in here doing dishes and i'm getting them ready for bed like we made it like we literally have done so much life together and it was just so cool you know he's like yeah sure yeah i know it's cool (laughs) you know (laughs) you know and i'm like getting so sentimental but it's just so cool to see like how much life that we've we've done together and the lives that we've created together and our beautiful children It's just really cool. Like appreciating, like you said, those small things, you're getting their room ready for bed and he's doing the dishes when like during the NFL, I'm sure. 
it's those parts like you think it will never slow down and then you get there and you're like, yeah. oh my gosh, we did that. We were able to do that and we're able to do this too. The slow down, the end of football is obviously not the end of your life. Like it is just the beginning of a new life. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. Because it is such a different life. Like, so that's just awesome to hear like the transition that you guys made and just figuring it out along the way. Because I know that's something that is a stressor on people and people in the league and like that you don't even want to think about it at the moment because you're like I I don't even that's another stressful part of my life on top of this so thinking about your future like normal people do you know like what's your five what's your 10-year plan what they ask people Mm -hmm. and I'm like I don't know what my weekend plan is like how am I supposed to know what our five-year plan is at this point in our lives yeah, and it can definitely be scary. And, like, when he told me he was retiring, like, I'm not going to lie. I I was so sad because I was like, no, we're, like, we're leaving this lifestyle that we've learned to love and that's just been our lives, you know? It, it was sad. I felt like I was, like, mourning the life that we've been living. But when you think about it, like, he's home all the time now. So now we get to make so many more memories. Um, he feels so much healthier because he's not, you know – rattling his body around all day long. Um, He's able to be present in those small moments, like doing dishes before bed and spending time with our kids. And like I said, just living a slower, like more mundane life. Like it really, it really is such a beautiful way of life, but the NFL does give you a really great start. I will say that, especially financially, like it's a really great opportunity, especially for like our, Um, significant others to live their dreams and being able to do that and being able to witness it and support them like that's just amazing and I would say I don't know if you would um, agree with this sentiment but since it is so much going on at one time I feel like I am getting maybe five six seven years worth of a relationship development emotionally through everything financially like having these conversations and going through this stuff that maybe couples even haven't gone through if they were in a relationship for a couple years just because we are in the NFL do you feel like that's been the same with you guys in your relationship yeah I would say you grow up really fast and you have to deal with things a lot of people don't deal with and then you just like get it out of the way I like that get it out of the way so you don't you have bigger and better things to worry about like finding Mm -hmm. your peace Yep. Because I mean, that can be just as hard as getting all that other stuff out of the way is really coming into yourself. I mean, like, I'm still learning Mm -hmm. about myself and like accepting, okay, I'm an extremely emotional person. Like, I want to be very self aware of myself later in life and stop denying, (laughs) like, no, I'm not this way. No, I'm not that way. But like, yeah, embracing it and coming into it and being comfortable with that. Right. So we talked about what it's been like being in the NFL, the places that you traveled to, you starting Lost Mama for Grieving Mothers, and you being a singer, having all of these lives, being a singer, and (laughs) and finally making your own place in the world by homesteading. So if you were able to give a rookie wife or girlfriend just coming into the league now one piece of advice, what would it be? It would for sure be to soak everything in, to enjoy every moment, Go to as many games as you can go to. Go explore that city that you live in. Take videos, take pictures, and really just like when you're in the stands or when you're on the field, just look around you and just feel everything. 
because I mean, it's, it's fleeting. This life is fleeting in the NFL. Like I said, a lot of people joke it stands for not for long. So really just soak in everything that you possibly can. And what would you say your overall experience would be like? How would you rate your overall experience, both of you in the league? Um, I loved it. And he really loved it too. Obviously, like a lot of athletes, they feel like they have unfinished business, like they could have done more. Um, I'm sure the best football player in the entire world probably feels like, you know, he has unfinished business. There's more things that he could have done. But overall, like it was such a good experience. And like I said, it gives you a really good start in life emotionally, financially, um, all of those areas really help catapult your life. Plus all this tools that they learned, you know, um, having to be self-motivated when no one else is pushing you. Like, are you going to push yourself problem solving? Like we see that on our property, like with our animals, our animals are hot messes and they are (laughs) bad. They are so bad. They will break each other out of their pins. Like they're so bad. And so like he has to problem solve and he's like, okay, now I need to build like a taller fence or a bigger fence or this. And he just like, I admire so much about his mindset that nothing rattles him. Literally, there's no problem that he can't solve. And I really think that's like the mindset of being a professional athlete and through the NFL is just attacking every obstacle head on and going for it completely until there's a solution. Like that's something that is so important to learn in life. And I mean, he's got it. Most athletes do. Yeah. Why don't you tell us where we can find you? Uh, I don't know if you're still posting on your YouTube channel, if you're going to continue to do that while yeah. you work through and your Instagram handle. Yeah. So um, YouTube has been slower just because <laughs> I don't, actually, I don't know if I said this part, but our, our whole like goal initially with this property, we bought an RV and we were going to live on the land while we fixed it up. That lasted like a month, a month and a <laughs> half, because I could not do it anymore. It was in the middle of summer. It was so hot outside, and I, the girls couldn't go out and play, so we were stuck in this tiny RV all day long. It just did not meet any expectations. So right now, we're in a rental house where we build our home. Um and so that's what's going on with that. So I have not posted to the YouTube channel just because, like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> but I will be starting that up again um, closer to, like, when we move back on the property. But um, my personal handle is Lauren Bea Robinson on Instagram, Lauren B-E-A Robinson. And then the Lost Mama is um, the loss account for mamas who've had miscarriage, stillbirth, infant loss, um, to come on the community. And then our community page is the And then if you want to see more stuff about our property, that's our Haven acres. Oh, you are Haven acres. And I would highly suggest that you go and check out her Instagram profile because she puts a lot of funny videos. I just saw Keenan in a tree stuck in a tree on oh one of your latest gosh. posts. So <laughs> it has me laughing. <laughs> It's always like something going on. Like he, I was like, why did you do that? Why, why would you climb a tree? And he's like, well, I was trying to see if I could get to the top and then bring Cadence up here. But the tree, honestly, the video doesn't do it justice because the tree was actually really tall. And so he's like, well, crap, how am I going to get down now? And I'm like, oh, this is great. This is too good to not like put on social media. And then it was so funny because this random kid start, he comes over with a ball and is chucking the ball at him in the tree, like trying to knock him down. (laughs) It was so funny. But our life is just so, so random all the time. 
it's definitely entertaining to watch your stories and stuff from mm-hmm. hiding from neighbors to that. So <laughs> I would say oh, go yeah, check I'm out the Instagram. Oh gosh, for sure. <laughs> if you want a good laugh. All right, Lauren. Well, thank you for coming on today and talking about all things NFL, the lost mama and being a homestead family. Thank you for having me. I've really, really had a great time. Thank you for listening to episode 19 of the NF Ladies podcast with guest Lauren Robinson. My intro and outro music called Not Ready Yet is written, produced, and sung by my friend Kira Grove. Again, my name is Bryce Watts, and I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.